0: Assalamu alaikum. may the peace that only God be upon you, welcome to Radio Islam, this is your host, Tariq al and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Remember, folks, you can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn at that same username at Radio Islam USA. All right, Radio Islam family, I am joined by the one and only, the impressive one, assistant producer, Ibrahim Bey. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum as-salam. Um, it's been a minute since we've had a chance to sit down and, and kind of, you know, chop it up and look yeah, at some of the stuff that's going on out here. It's been too long. Right. So uh, I, I want to share something. Um, there was uh, and this is really I think anybody that is interested in uh, human rights, that's interested in bringing and uh, bringing an end to torture uh, and, and seeing an end to violence. Right, uh, that you're going to find this disturbing and hopefully motivating, right, to some to some degree. Uh, I'm not one who checks my Facebook inbox, right, Messenger. I don't have notifications on my phone, right. So I I pick it up every, you know, every so often, maybe like every four or five days. I'll go in and look because it's you know it's overwhelming. Right, but I happen to see. A message someone someone sent to me, and I'm not even not even gonna say the brother's name because I don't even think it's somebody I know personally, but he sent me a video, and the video was entitled uh, "Don't Mess with the Cartel," right? And it also had an MS-13 on there, right? And what I proceeded to see was so um, horrific and dehumanizing is not the word. Right, but it it was absolutely the worst representation of, uh, of of treatment, you know, of of humanity. Yeah. So, um, if you are faint of heart, you might want to back away. Yep. Right now. Trigger warning. Yeah. So, there was this, um, there was a man, laying on the looks like he was staked to the ground. He had a chain around his neck. And. Um, he's naked, and there are these masked uh, and heavily armed, you know, what appear to be soldiers uh, around him. And one grabs his leg and takes a a knife. And it's, it looks like it's a really, you know, like a butcher's knife. And he begins to take off this man's leg beneath the knee. Now, of course, the man is, you know, he's, he's, he's screaming, he's, in uh, indescribable pain, and then the masked uh, individual he proceeds to beat the man with, you know, with his leg. Then he does the same thing to his other leg, and and looks like the man has kind of you know he's passed out from the sheer agony, you know, and 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 shock. So he's passed out. Then the man goes on to do the same thing to the other leg, right beneath the knee, and then. He proceeds to take off his arm beneath the shoulder, both arms. Right. Yeah, terrible. And I'm, I'm almost, I'm,
1: I'm, I've almost had enough. of You just. To yeah, yeah.
0: And I mean, and absolutely. And you know what? And I'm not one for, you know, for gore, or, um, I mean, I recognize that this is a reality. You know, there, you know, as horrible as that was, we know that these these are not isolated incidents right
1: unfortunately
0: um but i'll tell you my first response was right because i'm literally like screaming out loud like why would you do this Mm -hmm. you know and um and how could you do this and then i you know my response was you know the pain that this man is enduring now is going to be a welcome it would be a welcome feeling to those who are met in this kind of punishment this type of agony and torture out on this individual when they are held to account for that in the afterlife that's right when they're held to account for that and they are enduring the punishment of the hellfire and all those punishments that come along with that they would wish that they could trade places with this uh with this man yeah so So, yeah so it was absolutely you know it was absolutely horrifying and um and I've got to send a message to the brother. Also, you know, don't don't send me anything mm-hmm. like this. You know, I don't I don't need to see that to know that this type of thing, you know, exists, right? Yeah. But it just it spoke it spoke volumes actually, about the lack of Same with the afterlife
1: too. Hmm? Same with the afterlife as well. Uh, we don't have to actually see it with our own eyes mm-hmm. to deduce from what we know that this punishment actually exists and it's actually going to happen to people. And the oh, same yeah. thing for paradise. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it with our own eyes, but we don't have to be you know, geniuses to be able to deduce from our own intellect that what we know, uh, the message that we received, Islam, and everything is true, and this really is going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, but that aside, if I were to, I am going to have to, when you told me this, I'm going to have to uh, put on my political science hat. <laughs> because um, when you told me this, there was a lot of things that came to mind. Mm-hmm. The first was, so there's three parts, basically. The first is we talk a lot about immigration on this show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have stood by, stood with, uh, people advocating for proper treatment of immigrants, mm-hmm. proper treatment of DACA recipients. Uh, we covered a rally that happened. Uh, families belong together. Right. Mm-hmm. Why are people from Central America trying to come over here? Right. Because the the, the immigration from Mexico actually has slowed to a point where even there's some reports of uh, negative immigration, like people where people are. It's at the lowest rate
0: over. in 50 years. Certainly. Right now. Yes.
1: Uh, it's dwindling compared yeah. to before. Now, the immigration from the southern border is coming from, uh, via people from Central America. Why are those people trying to get away from their countries? Um, there's many reasons for that, and this is one of those reasons. And and even at the rally that we covered in uh, last summer, families belong together. Yeah, this was one of the, the factors that they talked about of young women, uh, children being intimidated and being brutalized in in, in uh, many different kind of ways. Unfortunately, so we ask Allah, we ask God to make. Their situation easy, I mean. easier, and uh, you know, give them a life over there or over here, wherever they may be, that is full of happiness and and contentment. Inshallah. Sure. So. That's the first point. The second point is the um, this gang specifically MS13 has a history, um, an interesting history, which goes back a couple of decades. I want to say maybe three decades or something like that I don't know exactly the date but um, in uh, I believe in the 70s or 80s in Los Angeles there were uh, street gangs obviously uh, Mexican American street gangs which existed at the time and when immigrants from Central America particularly El Salvador mm-hmm. because uh, part of the name Of the gang MS the s stands for a word that's derived from a Salvadorian uh, nationality I believe something to do with that so people from those uh, countries in Central America began to to come to LA and began to get pressured by uh, Mexican American gangs that were already there so what they did is some of them they banded together and they formed their own gang and that was I don't know where the number 13 comes from exactly but um, something to do with that and so this was one of the gangs that formed out of that uh, pressure that were that people were experiencing in in Los Angeles and Southern California at the time Mm -hmm. what happened was when some of those people started to commit crimes they got deported back to Central America right this is where US policy comes in what's what's the US policy of, of dealing with someone who's in a gang well, if they could be deported, they were first, I think, sent to jail, which is standard practice, they put you in jail. Right. And then, after your time is done, they deport you. Mm-hmm. What happened is, when these gang members from MS-13 were sent back to Central America, to their countries of origin, uh, an interesting thing happened because of many different factors, economic factors, and, 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 and corruption, whatever that's over there, mm-hmm. these gang members, once they returned to their countries, became like celebrities. And so it created this kind of a cycle, the cyclical uh, uh, dynamic where people would go try to immigrate to LA. Some people who would join a gang would be sent back to Central America, and their reputation would just kind of uh, explode and, and you know they would be seen as these kind of celebrities. And so the gangs, the same gangs began cropping up over there central america like straight in central america Mm -hmm. and and that's what you see today um ms 13 in particular was was obviously one of this is kind of the story behind how it started but once now enter the uh 80s and 90s this gang grew to an extent where uh their activity crossed into mexico activity and their membership crossed into mexico itself and eventually because uh it earned such a brutal reputation, it was actually recruited by one of the cartels to do their the cartels' dirty work. Mm. Become um, their strong man. Yeah, and I believe it was the Sinaloa cartel, uh, which is the same one as El Chapo and all that stuff yeah. that's happening right now. I believe it was them, but I, I might be mistaken on that. But anyway, one of the major and powerful cartels recruited this gang because, particularly because they were so brutal and acting out revenge against their enemies. Um, And of course, once that happened with cartels with millions and if not billions of dollars behind them, Mm -hmm. um, this gang was, again, catapulted to a more uh, even more powerful position. So that's kind of that's where U.S. policy comes in and the drug war comes in. U.S. policy, um, as far as sending them back to their countries, once they were discovered to be in a gang and, and discovered to be involved in criminal activities, U.S. policy concerning the the war on drugs here in the United States, which
0: is of course another discussion
1: in and of itself.
0: But now, can you speak to can you speak to um, when it comes to United States involvement in governments, you know, throughout Central America um, as a destabilizing force that contributes to this kind of uh, a very, you know, just a one way of being able to achieve any type of material uh, success or security, right? Because if there's no manufacturing, if agriculture is compromised, if you have corrupt politicians and, you know, you you see the same thing manifest itself, you know, in in the inner city environments, you know, you know, in the United States, we have, we have lack of jobs, you have lack of opportunity and you have this underground economy um, you know, specifically, you know, drugs uh, that, that opens up. And that's, it's odd. Before you answer, I want to just, just mention this similarity mm-hmm. of, you know, how, how, how brothers are perceived when they go to jail and they come back and they hit the block and they're celebrated by some, right, because there's this idea that you've gone off and you've, you've survived something. You've got your stripes. You come back and, you know, you looked at in a different light. And, of course, everybody doesn't see it that way, but it's a, it's a, it's a parallel to that, uh, that, that existence, you know, that you're talking about in Central America. But kind of speak to, you know, w- what are your thoughts on that, that destabilizing influence? is speaking of our foreign policy.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. I honestly can't speak to it in a lot of detail. I'm not an authority on that, but that is one of the things that I was uh, about to mention in passing because I'm about to take a really sharp turn. Okay. A very sharp turn, so hold on to your hats. <laughs> um, now, so you'll see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. We see in these uh, gangs, these criminal organizations, gangs, cartel, the cartels, and the gangs that do their dirty work and enforcement, um, this hor- horrible, horrific violence, right? People being beheaded, limbs being chopped off, and so on. Yeah. This is all happening at the same time. Now, I think globally for a second. Malcolm X, taught us to think globally. Okay, that's right. Um, what's happening in the Middle East right now, in Syria, in Iraq, in a, a completely destabilized uh, environments? We are seeing the same type of violence almost simultaneously. Really, right? Yep. Uh, with groups like ISIS and and other groups similar to it in Iraq and the and the you know Syrian environment, which is a chaotic environment. Mm-hmm doing the same types of things, right? However, here's where it gets interesting. There is a movement within, uh, there's a branch of politics, basically, um, and and pseudo-politics, which attempts to blame the actions of those groups in the Middle East, their existence, and their uh, brutality purely on their religious beliefs. All right. If that were true... Why do we see the pretty much the exact same thing happening here in 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 on this side of the globe in Central and South America, um, and and that is there's actually a whole uh, article that I can reference. It was an article written in 2015 mm-hmm. by an author, a journalist, a uh, writer named Graham Wood, I believe is his name, uh, published in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So reputable outlet, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. This whole, uh, I mean, he did a lot of research, he did a lot of work and interviews and stuff. His argument in this article is that, um, is to counter the people and Muslims who are saying that ISIS is not uh, Islamic. And he goes on to say that it's actually incredibly Islamic. That is very, that is. That it's uh by nature it is Islamic. That's what he goes on to say, and he brings in this expert. I forgot the guy's name. I don't know if he's a Muslim or not I don't I don't think he is, mm-hmm. but he's from like a Middle Eastern background, so I mean he's a researcher in terrorism, stuff like that. and he brings in this guy to agree with him basically that yes, it's very Islamic. and of course he interviews ISIS members or sympathizers. Well, of course, they're going to say that—that that, you know they believe there is Islamic or whatever because that's what their whole justification. So it's it's kind of a weird dynamic in the sense that all these people are agreeing with each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> and disagreeing with Muslim, and it's really um, sorry I'm going off on a tangent here. I know, but it's important. This article is really a, a, a an Orientalist orgasm, so to speak, because <coughs> because and I'll tell you why it's because he talks about graham wood the author he talks about muslims you know yes yes of course muslims have you know resoundingly uh denounced isis and resoundingly condemned it and and distanced themselves and disavowed themselves completely from it and saying that that's not part of islam but he this is him saying this in an orientalist kind of voice they don't know what they're talking those muslims who say isis is that they don't know really know what they're talking about we will tell you Mm. what Islam really says, you know? Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, it's kind of an orientalist paradise within this article. Um, but back to the point is that we see the same kind of violence happening in Central America, in Mexico, uh, seeping into North America, into into, into, into the United States. Mm-hmm. We have to ask our quest- ourselves a question, and all honest people ask ourselves a question, um, aren't there other factors that these two regions might be sharing that are the real factors behind the the springing up of this violence and these violent groups? Sure. That's where I would try to, like I said, I'm not an authority on, on U.S. intervention in Central America, mm-hmm. but we know, I mean, even the layman knows that it's, it exists, right? It's, you know, Noriega and, Iran-Contra scandal and all that, we have the the parallels of U.S. intervention. We have parallels of uh, not being able to keep up in a globalized economy mm-hmm. as far as education or education, like in the Middle East, people are educated, but the economy is not set up in a way where that education can really benefit them, you know? Right. I'm sure it's the same in a lot of Central American countries as well. There's educated people there, but if the economy has only reached a certain, certain threshold, what do you actually do with that education, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, dwindling uh, economic conditions as far as, there, you know, I think there's farming was a big part, agriculture was a big part of the economy, manufacturing, whatever. We see a, a lot of parallels and a lot of similar dynamics in both regions if we look. Corruption, government corruption, corrupt on officials, that,
0: corrupt police. On that, that, that's. Uh, I think that should bring us to, like, I don't think, it's good that we have people that that are able to research particular mm-hmm. regions, right? To look at uh, their economy, to look at uh, standards of living, and and to look at all of the contributing factors towards violence, right? Uh, but I think just looking at it in a very general human sense, um as a matter of fact, I'll even say that there's, a, there's, there's Quranic support for this. It right? says that, um, uh, paraphrase it, Shaitan, right, the devil, the evil one, uh, the rejected one, he threatens you to conduct which is immoral, uh, conduct which is unseemly, and he does that through poverty, through the fear of poverty. Uh, and this idea that we have so much violence taking place, it is in direct—it's uh, it, it's attached often to a lack of resource, a lack of access, right? So one of the things that we do have, you know, in modernity, in, in, this, in this global marketplace now, is that we have private uh, entities, private interests that have found their way through the government mechanism into, uh, into these different areas around the, in, around the world, and they've found ways to exploit— you know, the natural resources. that and this course would actually go into a, a maybe a different conversation as to who owns the um who owns or who has a claim to the resources of a particular area. You know, is it those people who, you know, who live there? Um are people from outside who want to bring their money in and, and develop and, and do whatever, do they have a right? Right. To those uh, to those uh, resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's a different conversation. But I will say and uh, just in keeping with this idea of outside interference, outside influences and the manufactured poverty that exists around the world, that's accompanied by violence, that's uh, and that violence is rewarded with material security for those people who are willing to, you know, who are willing to be violent. That's, I think, for me. That's the thing that I look at, right? I I realize that you can't have uh, an ISIS without also having financial backing, right? Because somebody's arming uh, these folks. You can't have a uh, an MS-13. You can't have these cartels. You can't have all of these things without some type of uh, support from 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 you know from legal you know through legal means, right? And that what that does, it, it kind of perpetuates this existence of, of poverty and destabilization. Um, so I kind of want, I want to, you know, as I think about it, I, I see it, not just the brutality, of, you know, kind of what we just kind of started out with, but I see it also as a, uh, you know, it's kind of an affirmation that there is an involvement uh, and, and there's a benefit in that violence. You know when it comes to possibly when it comes to american interest uh there's a benefit in, in having these you know uh, in having the type of violence uh that we see so you know see see the uh the, the big picture and uh, and see that that violence is not you know it's not self-manufactured it didn't just come out of nowhere you know uh and the last thing i want to I mention is that as people are coming here especially from those areas where you got this type of violence that you know, which is absolutely barbaric. It should be really clear to folks why people from some of those areas are coming, right? What they're actually running from. They're not running from drive-bys. You're running from, you know, from somebody dismembering you. You know, dismembering yeah. your, uh, you know, the males in your your family, or you know, the threats of rape and all this other stuff that, you know, that that come out of these types of uh, uh, environments that should be something i think that that concerns you know uh, the listener that you know and hopefully it does
1: yeah i agree i mean it's an unfortunate situation as far as i would i still i would go back to looking at um the broader picture as these are places which have been which are countries which are uh regimes corrupt regimes corrupt dictators yeah have been propped up Either by US policy or at least in part because of US policy in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lack of any economic success, economic opportunity uh, within the country, um, a warlike environment, whether that be through US invasion or through uh, other factors and, and, and criminal activities which create a warlike environment. Virtually yeah. corruption at different levels of government at most levels of government um th- these are all things that I think people overlook so easily
0: yeah but I, I like that you brought up the point uh in that article right in this whole orientless orientedless lands um you know how basically the onus is being put on the the victim blame the victim okay well uh yeah there it is you know just wanted to to share that and hopefully uh some of that perspective uh that Ibrahim shared i think uh is definitely valuable and worth to uh, worth contemplating on and thinking about but more importantly, we got to find ways to address this ugly reality right We have to find ways to address this type of um savagery um, and the you know, in the, in the environments that produce it, right? I think that's, that's important. It's not enough to just be outraged, but it's, it's something that we have to really look at. How do we um, influence foreign policy in a way that shows us trying to rectify this uh these types of uh situations so that you know we don't have these kind of videos because i don't want anybody else sending me another video uh like that you know don't do it if you do i'm just gonna block you and thing. right i'm just gonna say it right now okay folks we're going to take a break uh this is radio Islam. we're on wcev 1450 a.m we'll be back in a minute